Hello, and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a bi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today I have got one hell of a video for you. If you don't know this guy's name, you probably know his face, Martin Shkreli. He's been named the most hated man in America. And if you know half the things he's done, it's not hard to see why. He is the biggest pharma bro, and I'm just gonna say it, the guy's got quite a punchable face. He's known for a lot of things, depending where you know him from what side of the internet you like to be on. But we've seriously got one hell of a rage-inducing episode today. So buckle up for one hell of a ride and let's get right into it. No one wants to say it. No one's proud of it. But, uh, you know, this is a, a capitalist society, capitalist system and capitalist rules. And my investors expect me to maximize profits, not to minimize them or go half or go 70%, but to go to 100% of the profit curve. If there's a company that was selling a, an Aston Martin at the price of a bicycle, and we buy that company, and uh, we, we ask to, to charge Toyota prices, I don't think that that should be a crime. Talking about, you're talking about a life-saving right. pen. Yeah. So there's no bargain. There's life, or, life death or death is yeah. how they see it. Well, if, if the alternative is a $20,000 trip to the uh, ER where they hit you with adrenaline and epinephrine there, $300 in your own home is a good deal. And the point is- Martin Shkreli was born in 1983 in Brooklyn, New York. He is the son of immigrants and has called himself the most successful Albanian to ever walk the face of this earth. He went to Hunter College High School, though he supposedly never graduated. And at 17, he interned for a hedge fund belonging to Jim Cramer, CNBC's host of Mad Money. He went to Baruch College, studied business, and he was raised Catholic. All those are just the black and white facts. So before we go any deeper, let's address how this all started exactly. As Bloomberg says about his hedge fund job, restless in his clerical role, Shkreli recommended shorting a biotech stock, betting the company's share price would drop. Sure enough, it did. Kramer's hedge fund profited and the Securities and Exchange Commission called to ask if there'd been any funny business behind the precedent wager. At 19, Shkreli found himself under SEC scrutiny. The agency found nothing amiss. This is the first giant red flag. At 19 years old, he was already under scrutiny. That's pretty damn young to be getting into those incredibly dangerous waters. I mean, I'd expect some kind of underage drinking bullshit at that age, young adults can make stupid decisions, but Martin was on a whole nother level and probably not in a good way. The problem though, is that Martin wasn't caught at 19. He already had a giant fucking ego and you have to, to do the shit he's done, but it was getting fueled. So no wonder Martin thought he wasn't accountable to anyone and could do whatever the hell he pleased. But before we can even jump into the more commonly known issues with Martin and the pharmaceutical industry, what's important to note is that he had a hedge fund called MSMB Capital Management. In other words, he was using pooled funds from various investors that naturally expected to make their money back. And these hedge funds were supposedly doing really well. Investors were led to believe Martin even had $50 million in them, though we'll get more into that later. The point is that Martin was by all accounts on the rise. MSMB, which got its name from Martin Shkreli and his friend and fellow founding manager, Marek Bistek's initials, had tens of millions from investors and Martin, I'm sure, felt untouchable. But slowly, that was about to change. 
Now, I don't wanna bore you to tears with hedge fund talks and investments and fraud. I'm going to try to summarize the garbage fire that was 2010 through 2012 as best as I can and explain it simply. Seriously, I had to look up timelines for this shit because it gets that convoluted and tangled. So let's start here. On Christmas day, 2010, he, Martin, wrote a letter to FDA officials urging them to reject an inhaled insulin remedy produced by Mankind, a biopharmaceutical company of Valencia, California. Making no secret of his financial interest in seeing Mankind's stock decline, Shkreli criticized the company's clinical trials as deficient. Weeks later, at an investment conference in San Francisco, he confronted Mankind Chief Executive Officer Alfred Mann, a stalwart in the medical device field. There was a lot of shouting, Shkreli recalls. Shkreli often advertised his short positions on an investing website called Seeking Alpha, where he encouraged others to follow his lead. In March, 2012, he took on San Diego-based Cytori Therapeutics, criticizing regenerative treatments it was developing to use stem cells to rebuild damaged tissue. Regenerative medicine is a meaningless and embarrassing buzzword that means nothing, Shkreli declared. By early April, the company's stock had plummeted 30% to about $2. In the case of yet another company now known as Navidia Biopharmaceuticals, he'd submitted what's known as a citizen's petition to the FDA, asking the agency in June, 2011, not to improve a nymph load mapping agent he'd claimed hadn't been tested properly. Navidia's stock dropped 33% in a month to $3.29 on July 1st, 2011. This evidence suggests a pattern of suspicious behavior in the trading of biotech stocks that warrants a thorough investigation, Crew told Bahara. To summarize, Martin was manipulating the market and the FDA. Well, he was trying to at least. The Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington got involved because, hey, they noticed this was shady as hell. They did extensive research into MSMB's activities, which were at the time, not so legitimate. You see, Martin made a horrible investment involving a biotech company called Orexigen Therapeutics. So much for being a genius. He lost $7 million for his hedge fund, suffered $1 million in a separate trading loss, and MSMB halted trading altogether. At this point, they didn't even have $60,000 in assets, a far cry from the 50 million Martin led people to believe. So Martin came out, told investors the truth, apologized, and uh, yeah, I no, I can't even finish that sentence. He continued to lie and send progress reports to investors as if the company was thriving. He took money out of his new pharmaceutical company, Retrofin, to pay off debts and he and MSMB owed, and even went so far as to make fake backdated transactions to make it look like MSMB had invested in Retrofin, according to the FBI. And the kicker, this was right around the time that Forbes put Martin in their 30 under 30 articles as a bright young entrepreneur. He was a smart liar, I'll give him that. He had everybody fooled. Martin was only in his late 20s, but he was in deeper trouble than most people face in their lifetimes, playing with millions and millions of dollars. In his 20s, after he'd set up his own hedge fund, Shkreli developed a reputation for using a stock gossip website to salvage biotech companies whose shares he was shorting. This was not a path to popularity in biotech. In 2012, the nonprofit Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington publicly accused him of trying to manipulate the US Food and Drug Administration for financial gain. Once again, Shkreli emerged without facing government charges. I hit this field like a tornado, he boasts. By the time regulators finished clearing him of misusing the FDA, Shkreli had started Retrofin. The name refers to recumbent dystrophin, Shkreli's initial product idea for an engineered form of a protein that's lacking in patents with a type of muscular dystrophy. Self-trained in biology, he says he wrote the genetic sequence himself for recumbent dystrophin after reading copious academic literature on the topic. 
One day, he plans to manufacture the drug. Meanwhile, Retrofen has been acquiring the rights to obsolete remedies Screlly says can be put to a new and lucrative purpose. He describes the transition from hedge funder to corporate leader as a function of maturing and realizing his life's mission. I want to cure many diseases and save children's lives, he says. This article came out in 2014, so maybe Martin was still trying to feign some humanity around this time. Whether he wanted to save lives at one point or another, only Martin knows that for sure. But the point is he had serious plans for these drugs and he didn't want anyone else to steal his thunder. But just to make sure we're on the same page going forward with everything that's already happened, let's summarize. Martin tried to manipulate the FDA, failed, and had crew coming after him. He made poor investments and MSMB was sinking. He developed Retrofin, a biopharmaceutical company, and tried to make it look like MSMB invested in them illegally. Woo, what a fun ride. And just like that, I mean, and I mean it, an absolute shitstorm is upon us. So are we on the same page? Great, let's go. In 2013, things started to look bad for his company, Retrofin. Investors started to catch on to Martin's antics and demanded their money back. According to prosecutors, he never asked for board approval when he began to settle. Martin was starting to hit new lows, harassing people on social media as well. Whether this was his way of venting his frustration or he was just this much of an ass to begin with, who knows? But as the New York Times reported, a former portfolio manager at MSMB who was asked by Mr. Shkreli to focus on investment opportunities for Retrofin said in an affidavit early last year that he and his family were repeatedly harassed on social media by Mr. Shkreli in 2013. The emails and texts were published on Tuesday by the website Gawker. I followed the link to the email and texts, of course, and wow, (laughs) they are really something to behold. I mean, I was expecting them to be bad, but this is really pitiful. It's one thing to send a stupidly long email to a former portfolio manager's wife, like that's bad enough. She's not involved and these matters should remain between Martin and his former colleague, plain and simple. You don't annoy family members and drag them into your business. But Martin takes things a step further. He messaged this guy's son, his 16 year old son, and told him, your dad betrayed me. I sued him, ask him about it. I want to know about your dad. He started calling the wife sweetheart in messages too, which is crossing so many fucking lines. After everything we've already covered, it takes a lot to get me surprised or seriously ticked off, but harassing minors? Yep, that'll do it. Like, imagine this man brags that he's a millionaire, owns a pharmaceutical company, but he seriously has nothing better to do with his time other than to message a 16-year-old and creepily say, I want to know about your dad. And yet, multiple timelines, I've seen that detail his scummy behavior don't even go this deep. Seriously, that's how much we still have left to cover. At this point, however, even though we can't be done with his crap right here and now, Retrofin was. In the spring of 2014, Shkreli began posting bullish messages online about the company's prospects as Retrofin stock was soaring from around $3 a share in early 2013 to almost $20. On May 29th, he tweeted without explanation that this is one of the best days of my life. The next day he sold almost 4.5 million worth of his own stock in the company. This infuriated investors who believed he was cashing out. Those who questioned Retrofin found themselves the target of bashing on Twitter from accounts like names like at Thug Bioanalyst, who affected the persona of a gangsta rapper. In the summer of 2014, journalist Adam Freiderstein reported that the tweets were being written by Retrofin employees. In response to this allegation, Shkreli tweeted, I don't surveil my employees for what they tweet. Who gives a shit? And that's a real great look for the boss of a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, bashing those who disagree with you, cursing, refusing to take criticism, all the good stuff. Martin sounds like a spoiled teenager that never heard the word no, but that's almost an insult to spoiled teenagers because what he did next is what we've come to know him for, the price hikes. 
Also at that time in May, 2014, Retrofin acquired the rights to Thiola, used to treat a rare disorder that causes excruciating painful cysteine stones in the kidneys, uterer, and bladder. Only instead of doubling the price, Shkreli couldn't resist going further by jacking it up 20-fold from $1.50 to $30 per pill. The typical prescription for Thiola requires up to 15 pills every day, meaning the cost of treatment shot from $8,212 a year to $164,250 a year in an instant. The only saving grace being that in America, it's usually insurance companies that foot the bill, though there is nearly always a copay for patients. Unlike rival companies, which justified price increases by putting their newly acquired drugs through cursory new trials and giving them new names, Retrofin made no such effort. It was almost as though Shkreli was trying to create outrage. But this isn't even the worst case, that's yet to come. But this is where the pattern truly begins to emerge. At one point, Martin said he wanted to save lives. Again, I can't know what that was about or where his heart is supposed to be, but this alone says he didn't give a damn about anything other than money. Thiola was clearly able to sell at $1.50. If he charged a few cents more, we wouldn't be here. A company is a company and a penny or two would be a reasonable upcharge, a justifiable increase if he had to make one. But 30 fucking dollars? Also, I'm pretty sure anyone here in the US knows that even though insurance companies are supposed to foot the bills for pills, our healthcare is broken beyond belief. And that's just a whole other gigantic mess I couldn't even get into if I tried. The point is for the uninsured, that's a devastating blow. And even for those who only need a week's worth of pills, now they're paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars to ease their pain. Unbelievable. I love how this article continued by saying his board had a few reservations. And yeah, that's putting it mildly. If a member of your board is involved with lawsuits for harassing a teenager and his mother, he's encouraging or at least not stopping his employees from sending disgusting tweets to anyone that dares to disagree with him, and he's paying out settlements without approval, yeah, you better fucking get rid of him. The way Shkreli saw it, his board had nothing to whine about. When he founded Retrofin, a single over-the-counter share in the company was worth a nominal 10 cents. By the time of the Theola deal, it had touched $20, a staggering 2,200% return. Nevertheless, when the stock began to slide back towards $10 in the autumn of 2014, the board concluded that it was time to show Shkreli the door. The Retrofin board is grateful to Martin for his creativity, energy, and vision, read the terse statement announcing his resignation. Screlly responded with a tweet accusing his fellow directors of being insane and overly focused on irrelevant innuendo, but seemed otherwise undeterred. Indeed, he had reportedly leased new office space within a few days and by February, 2015 had formed a new company, Turing Pharmaceuticals. And now this, this is where it all begins, the beginning of the end. You thought Martin was an ass before? Well, just wait. This is where most timelines about Martin really begin and things start to take off. Turing Pharmaceuticals has literally changed its name, no doubt to not be associated with Martin and his scandals. But before we dive into this, let's just take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. The summer is right around the corner and everyone's starting to get vaccinated. So it means we can finally go outside and enjoy the outdoors and some of summer safely, hopefully. So whether it's for work or play, a lot of us are going to be on the move again this summer. So here's some advice for you. Take your Raycons with you. No matter where you go, you'll get a crisp, powerful Beats at half the price of other premium audio brands. 
Raycons look great and feel even better. They come in a range of cool colors, even though I'm boring and chose black, and they have customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit. And Raycons are built to go wherever you go with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. And seriously, the thing is like super smooth. I don't know why, I just love holding that as I'm walking around. I'm probably a weirdo, but hey, that's my gig. And I cannot tell you the last time I even charged them. I use them all the time when I'm taking Casper on walks, just doing chores around the house. And I think I maybe charge this thing like every like other month or something like that. Like the battery life on this is insane. So Raycon is offering 15% off off of all of their products for any of my listeners. And here's what you got to do to get it. Just go to buyraycon.com slash casket. There you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. And it's really an amazing deal. So grab a pair. And again, that's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash casket. Buyraycon.com slash casket. This episode is also sponsored by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by the big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So many of you know that when I first heard about Mint Mobile offering premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? Well, as it turns out, there really isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. And by cutting out retail stores, there's no crazy overhead costs. And I'm sure many of you know by now, but I use Mint Mobile for my Motorola Razr, which I'm still having a great time with that phone, but the service is super crisp. There's no calls being dropped. I get my text messages and emails really quick. And that's all I really care about ultimately. Like, does it work? And is it fast and efficient? And it is. And FYI, all plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone or you can buy a new one. It's totally your call. And you can keep your same phone number if you want as well. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven day money back guarantee. So switch to Mint Mobile to get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. So if you're ready to get started, make sure to go to mintmobile.com casket. Again, that's mintmobile.com casket. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com casket. Now get ready because this is where things are going to start falling apart. In August of 2015, Retrofin sued Martin for $65 million, saying he used the company to pay off hedge fund investors, which, you know, he was absolutely fucking doing. In an interview, Shkreli said Retrofin's claims are preposterous. Furthermore, the company draws a lot of speculative conclusions and half-truths, he added. Shkreli said he and Retrofin have been battling behind the scenes for much of the last year and that he intends to file his own suits against the company soon. So Martin threw his temper tantrum all over the lawsuit because he thought he was above the law. But it's what he did next in September of 2015 that we've all come to hate him for. His new company, Turing, acquired the rights to this drug called Daraprim. Daraprim is used to treat parasitic infection toxoplasmosis and is often used for malaria patients, though it's also used for HIV and cancer patients, those with weakened immune systems that can't fight off toxoplasmosis. It's not widely used, but it is life-saving without a doubt for the people that do need it. And fucking Pharma Bro over here raised the price from $13.50 a tablet to $750 a tablet overnight. Now, before I get really, really angry about this, I'm going to try to remain calm and unbiased so we can get through what actually happened. 
The New York Times reported at the time that Turing's price increase is not an isolated example. While most of the attention on the pharmaceutical prices has been on new drugs for diseases like cancer, hepatitis C, and high cholesterol, there has also been growing concern about the huge price increases on older drugs, some of them generic, that have been long mainstays of treatment. Although some price increases have been caused by shortages, others have resulted from a business strategy of buying old neglected drugs and turning them into high-priced specialty drugs. Doxycycline, a far more common drug and antibiotic used for a variety of bacterial infections from acne to eye infections, to STDs, to urinary tract infections, also had its price raised from $20 a bottle of tablets to over $1,800. However, there's one key difference here. Doxycycline's price went up over the span of six months. Martin changed the price of Daraprim overnight. Technically, legally, he was within his rights to do so. It's a scummy, despicable move, but technically it's perfectly allowed. And as horrible as it may be, I'm going to say the single positive that came from this, this event exposed multiple pharmaceutical companies along the way. And the fact that this does happen, because make no mistake, this was the case for multiple drugs that we use far more often. The reason we didn't seem to notice is because the other pharmaceutical companies were sneaky about it or there wasn't a face to equate to the problem. Since Martin was an absolutely blatant asshole with how he raised prices overnight with his nasty villainous attitude about the whole thing, he exposed this type of behavior. Now that we've learned how this is actually legal, we as consumers might be more likely to notice when drug prices begin to rise. Make no mistake, I am not saying this was a good thing, I'm just glad that if someone was going to be the face of pharmaceutical misdeeds, it's someone that we can talk about unanimously and agree that they are an asshole. The public being more aware of shady price hikes for drugs is the one damn plus to come out of this. And again, it's not just the fact that he raised the prices, but how he acted and spoke about it. This isn't the greedy drug company trying to gouge patients. It is us trying to stay in business, Mr. Shkreli said. He said that many patients use the drug for far less than a year and that the price was now more in line with those of other drugs for rare diseases. This is still one of the smallest pharmaceutical products in the world, he said. It really doesn't make sense to get any criticism for this, but it does absolutely make sense to me. Martin hiked up the price of a drug for people whose lives depend on it. He was more outwardly scummy than other companies that raised the price of drugs, but there's something to be said about someone who would raise the price of a life-saving drug by that much and do it overnight. After jacking up the prices of Daraprim, Martin was referred to as the most hated man in America and wore that title like a badge of honor. He said, according to CNN Business, that everyone who needs it would be able to afford Daraprim. Seriously, where are his sources on that? Do tell. The New Yorker reported, Shkreli achieved notoriety when his company, Turing Pharmaceuticals, bought a drug called Daraprim, which is used to treat toxoplasmosis a disease that can be fatal to HIV patients. After buying the drug, Turing raised its price from less than $20 per tablet to $750. This was too high in the judgment of many people who knew the industry and many more who did not. Experts called the increase unjustifiable, while those discussing the situation online use less measured language. Shkreli at first said he would lower the price, which scarcely mollified its critics. One headline, Martin Shkreli lowers drug price is still an asshole. Then he said he wouldn't, which increased the outrage. People were calling him Pharma Bro, the personification of a medical industry gone bad. Ah yes, the Pharma Bro nickname. Honestly, the reason Martin was so hateable, I believe, is only due in part to the price hike. He did apparently cut the price in half for hospitals, even then it was still $375, but none of that really mattered when the case continued. The price hike was just the beginning. 
It's his actions, his brattiness, and the nerve of him that got so many people so infuriated. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself here a bit, but it's certainly what got to me a little bit anyway. As a little aside here, at this time in 2015, Bernie Sanders was running for president. Now, whether it was to try and gain some popularity back, look generous or what, I've got no idea, but Martin donated $2,700 to Bernie Sanders' campaign. But the hilarious part? Bernie said he didn't want it. Instead, he sent the same amount to a health clinic in Washington, DC. Shkreli responded on Twitter that, I appreciate at Bernie Sanders using my contribution as a continuation of my philanthropy. He also tweeted, instead of having an intelligent discussion on healthcare at Bernie Sanders would rather hold his hands over his ears and be a demagogue. This sounds so professional and out of character, right? Well, shortly after he said, so angry at at Bernie Sanders, I could punch a wall with many exclamation marks. Guess he could only keep up the facade of professionalism for so long. But Twitter tantrums and price hikes weren't all that Martin was up to in 2015. In November, 2015, Martin bought out another pharmaceutical company called CaliBios. That meant he owned Turing, CaliBio, and the old company, Retrofin, that kicked him out, was still hot on his tail with a multi-million dollar lawsuit. CaliBios shares soared and Martin became their largest shareholder. And man, if I were at CaliBios at the time, I'd be running for the fucking hills and bailing the moment I could. Martin is incredibly toxic for companies. God knows he's proven that. And I wouldn't want him anywhere near anything that I owned. Of course, before it could, Martin was up to some more stupid shenanigans. The Wu-Tang Clan had released a single copy of an album, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. If you've never heard of them, well, I can't play their music for copyright reasons, but they're a pretty famous hip hop group and they auctioned off a single copy of this album. Unfortunately for them, it was Martin that bought it. But just like with Bernie Sanders, the Wu-Tang Clan didn't want his money. They didn't want him to have the album. The co-founder of the band, RZA, wanted to buy it back from him. That's how much this guy is hated, all right? Martin bought this for $2 million and RZA was like, yeah, no, can I buy this back? According to the Rolling Stone, a binding contract was put in place when Martin bought the album, namely that he could sell it again in 88 years and could only play it for personal use. But as we know, laws mean nothing to Martin and he put the entire fucking thing on eBay. RZA said, I've actually tried to get it back, but the paperwork and the contract stopped me from getting it back. When Shkreli put it on eBay, the first thing I did was call my lawyer and I was like, yo, let's go. And they said, all right, check with your contract. And it's like, no, you can't do that. Ain't that a bitch. Even if he can't own it, he hopes that its existence and the fact that people are still talking about it changes the conversation about the value of music. I got a lot of flack from fans for that album, he said. I've lost fans because they think I've done something that was out of nature of what Wu-Tang is. I think they're wrong, but they will have their opinion, right? They felt that we tried to make music become something that only the elite can have, and that's far from reality. No, we just wanted to point out that when you devalue something, you got a big conflict over it. Although this doesn't have to do with the pharmaceutical aspect of things, it's just another example of how little Martin cares about laws and people. But don't worry, we're about to finally see some justice. All at once and seemingly out of nowhere, Calobio fired him. He resigned from touring and Martin was arrested. I know you've been waiting to see Martin get what was coming to him. And at last, here it is, the arrest. FBI agents arrested Mr. Shkreli, 32, at his Murray Hill apartment. He was arraigned in federal district court in Brooklyn on securities fraud and wire fraud charges. In a statement, a spokesman for Mr. Shkreli said he was confident that he would be cleared of all charges. 
Mr. Shkreli has emerged as a symbol of pharmaceutical greed for acquiring decades-old drugs used to treat an infection that can be devastating for babies and people with AIDS, and overnight, raising the price to $750 a pill from $13.50. His only mistake, he later conceded, was not raising the price more. But the criminal charges brought against him actually relate to something else entirely, his time as a hedge fund manager and when he ran his first biopharmaceutical company, Retrofin. Federal officials described his crimes as a quasi Ponzi scheme in which he used money from his company to pay off money losing investors in his hedge funds. An FBI official called his business schemes a securities fraud trifecta of lies, deceit, and greed. Personally, I think Martin Shkreli has become wealthy at the expense of the public good. I don't believe for a second that his manipulation of drug prices fuels valuable research as he has claimed, said Katie Uva, a 2006 alumna of Hunter College High School in Manhattan where Mr. Shkreli attended in an email response to questions. This fall, Ms. Uva started an online fundraising campaign to match a $1 million donation from Mr. Shkreli to Hunter in the hope of persuading the school to return the donation. So far, the campaign has raised about 800 from 16 donors. However, while many people were relishing in this victory, there were those that didn't, to say the least. Now, this is a whole separate thing entirely, but have you ever heard of like the serial killer fangirls? It's like a seriously weird kind of creepy thing where young women obsess over notorious infamous people like Ted Bundy, Richard Ramirez and others. And I don't mean obsess like, oh, they're curious to know what happened to them. Why would they do this and investigate how they got away with it? I mean, obsess like a high school crush does over the latest pop star. Well, apparently this translates to the most hated men in America too, because Martin was Skyping young women, a teenager shortly before his arrest. Martin told this high school student, this high school student, that he was considering bailing a rapper friend of his out of jail, despite him being in there for attempted murder. She even asked him to prom and he said his internet friends didn't think it was a good idea, but said, I am blushing though. What a creep. I mean, if this is how he talks on a live stream, I can only imagine what kind of shit he does in private. That's not what he's going to prison for, for the record. And I'm not trying to say he did anything illegal with a teenager, but his conversations with them have absolutely been inappropriate. And as a reminder, he was arrested at age 32. So that means he was 31, 32 when he was talking to like a what, 16, 17 year old? Gross. And in case you've forgotten, he also harassed a 16 year old because he was suing his father. So, you know, just again, not really looking good for his character. But back to his court case, man, I do not envy the lawyer that had to defend him. Apparently while in court, Martin finally broke down and cried. I'm not inclined to believe these were actually tears of genuine sadness at his mistakes, but more of like an, oh shit, I got caught kind of crying. Regardless, the Chicago Tribune reported, Shkreli, his cocky persona nowhere to be found, cried as he told US District Judge Kyo Matsumoto that he made many mistakes and apologized to investors. I want the people who came here today to support me to understand one thing, the only person to blame for me being here today is me. The judge insisted that the punishment was not about Shkreli's online antics or raising the cost of the drug. This case is not about Mr. Shkreli's self-cultivated public persona, nor his controversial statements about politics or culture, the judge said, calling his crimes serious. He was also fined $75,000 and received credit for the roughly six months he had been in prison. The judge ruled earlier this week that Shkreli would have to forfeit more than $7.3 million in the brokerage account and personal assets, including his one-of-a-kind Wu-Tang Clan album that he boasted he bought for $2 million. The judge said the property would not be seized until Shkreli had a chance to appeal. 
The prosecutors argued that the 34-year-old was a master manipulator who conned wealthy investors and deserved 15 years in prison. His lawyer said he was a misunderstood eccentric who would use unconventional means to make those same investors even wealthier. Unconventional, I think they pronounced illegal wrong, but seriously though, I love how even the attorney, Jacqueline Casusis, says she wants to make it clear Shkreli is not a child. He is a man who needs to take responsibility. So doesn't that just tell you a lot about this adult? Now, before we get into his appeal, we're going to talk about Martin himself here. We know his actions were deplorable, but why? A lot of people were left unsatisfied and wanted to be able to understand why this pharma bro was so unsympathetic, such a caricature of a villain. Martin was plainly aware of how much he was hated too. He even auctioned off a chance to punch him in the face. And I really tried to find the footage, I swear. It looks like some woman named Katie from Florida bid $50,000, but that's the most information I could find. Since the money wasn't even going to him, but reportedly the family of a friend of his who passed away that had a young son that survived cancer. I mean, I'm not terribly mad at that, I guess. Would he have cared though if he got punched? Probably not. And this was his strange, smirking, infuriating attitude that got under people's skin. Vanity Fair tried to dissect the situation and get into Martin's brain a little bit. Although Shkreli is a minor part of a much bigger issue, every morality play needs a villain and oh, what a perfect villain he is. He is an avid user of social media where he relishes portraying himself as a wealthy young hedge fund guy. He tweets obnoxious snapshots of labels of thousand dollar plus bottles of wine like 1982 Lafitte Rothschild, along with selfies inside a helicopter buzzing over Manhattan or pose next to a life-size chess set by a pool in the Hamptons. In one tweet, he linked to a video of Eminem's The Way I Am, which goes, I'm not Mr. Friendly, I can be a prick. I don't mean to be mean, but all I can be is just me. He pulls up a chart of the price of admission to Disney World, which has skyrocketed from $3.50 in 1971 to $105 today. Now that's price gouging, he says laughing. I'm pretty sure there's a difference between inflation, higher demands and price gouging, but sure. In one breath, he calls himself a capitalist and in the next, an altruist. The latter because he claims his real goal is to invent new drugs for rare diseases. During recently announced discounts of Daraprim for hospitals and Screlly says that for people without insurance, it will only cost $1 a pill. For everyone else, insurance, which he argues is paid for by corporate America's profits will cover the cost. I'm like Robin Hood, he continues. I'm taking Walmart's money and I'm doing research for diseases no one cares about. I agreed with Vanity Fair and their speculation throughout most of the article. That is, until I came across this ignorant remark, when I asked why he does it, and the speculation among those who know him ranges from an overbearing need for attention to an Asperger's-like inability to see things the way other people do, he says. I'm not sure I have all the answers. I normally don't go off my sources, but Asperger's-like inability to see things the way other people do, that's, just an insult. I know a lot of my viewers here are on the autistic spectrum, so I couldn't read this from the Vanity Fair article without making a point to call out this garbage comment. Comparing Martin's blatantly cruel nature with those on the autistic spectrum is absolutely insulting. Besides, research suggests that Asperger's and autism isn't about the inability to feel, but more commonly feeling too much and being overwhelmed. But I digress, I just had to make that clear before continuing because it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And isn't Asperger's not even technically used anymore? Like, so much. While some people tried to understand Martin and make sense of him, others were just plain pissed off. A coven of witches reportedly put a hex on him. And yes, you heard that right, a hex. 
The hex, which took place in Brooklyn on Ash Wednesday, includes the wax effigy of Screlly, along with a formula of hexing oil and different herbs mixed into a concoction, as well as a cloth doll bound with cords of black fabric and some chanting. Howell explained that the hex was not meant to hurt Shkreli, but rather to restore karma in the world. When people think of casting hexes, it's like dark and scary magic, the black arts, and they don't wanna get near that, she said. When in all reality, we're trying to get justice. The hex is not going to bring anyone harm, but to make sure justice is served and that there is balance and that balance is restored. So I guess make of that what you will, but I've got to say, it's good to see just something that everyone can agree on. This type of behavior is unacceptable. A former employee of Martin's also stepped forward to spread some light on the case, the same one that Martin harassed back earlier. He explained everything in greater detail and the sheer amount of emails and messages was overwhelming to go through to say the least. Pages and pages and pages of friend requests, harassments, emails. Martin said, I hope to see you and your children homeless to his wife and said, making an enemy out of me is a mistake. The man he harassed, Timothy Pierotti, I can only imagine was thrilled to take the stand against him and see him pay for what he'd done. The New York Times reported in 2017, Mr. Pierotti's testimony is at the center of one of eight fraud charges against Mr. Shkreli, that he manipulated shares of Retrofin, a biopharmaceutical company he ran. Mr. Shkreli denies the charges. Prosecutors contend that Mr. Shkreli funneled shares of Retrofin to Mr. Pierotti and others keeping the allotments just under the threshold for reporting requirements and controlled huge parts of Retrofin through the scheme without reporting that to financial regulators. One day, Martin came in and said, I want it all sold today. I need the money, Mr. Pierotti testified. Mr. Pierotti liquidated the fund, he said. He said Mr. Shkreli encouraged the group to go pump up the stock's trading volume, telling them to buy it, sell it, buy it, sell it. Then Mr. Shkreli began pressuring Mr. Pierotti to sell the shares back to him, Mr. Pierotti testified. In an email in late December, 2012, Mr. Shkreli wrote that working on Retrofin together was a big mistake and all you have to do is agree to this and the nightmare will end for everyone. Mr. Shkreli phoned Mr. Pierotti screaming to demand the shares, then emailed saying he was suing according to Mr. Pierotti's testimony and court records. And from then on, the harassment began. Though we've obviously known for some time now that Martin is not a great guy, seeing just how evil and cruel he is, is quite unsettling. I can't decide if he's a criminal mastermind or a spoiled brat. I think somehow he's found a disturbing blend of both. Regardless, he's far more manipulative and shady than I originally thought. There's even been reports of him trying to run Turing from prison with a contraband cell phone. And now he, according to CNN, expects it to fucking grow. Like Turing changed their name. They do not want to be associated with you. At least that's what I'd like to think. If Turing, now Viera, by the way, went back to listening to Martin, who is sitting in prison, it would be one of the stupidest moves they've ever made. However, even with Martin convicted and jailed, we're still not done here. We still need to go over the matter of his appeal. During Shkreli's appeal in 2019, his lawyers argued about his intent. Their complaint centers on the district judge's inclusion of what's known as no ultimate harm intrusion to the jury. During the appeals hearing in late June, Shkreli's team said an instruction isn't appropriate for a securities fraud case and that the judge wasn't consistent in the wording of the instructions. Speaking for the government, Alexandra Smith of the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York countered that the NUH instruction wasn't wrong, just more precise. It is hard to see how a more precise instruction could be somehow prejudicial or problematic more than some general instruction, Smith said. Explaining the no ultimate harm concept, Smith said it's about intent. As an example, she told the court, 
I can't lie to you on day one and tell you invest with me, I have a million dollars. Or as Mr. Shkreli did, for example, say $100 million, because I believe on day 10 that I may come into that $100 million. It doesn't change my intent on day one when I know that I'm lying because I don't have it yet, Smith said. He lost his appeal, thank God, and his seven-year sentence will be upheld, and it sure as hell doesn't feel like enough though, but it's something. Martin's continued to be an ass even from prison, offering a $5,000 bounty for anyone who can grab him a lock of Hillary Clinton's hair. He's a Trump supporter now, I guess. Guess Bernie didn't really help there. But as frustrating as he is, as infuriating as he is, at least he's behind bars where he belongs. And the good news too is that as of March, 2020, the FDA approved a generic version of Daraprim, ending the monopoly on the drug. Now, this was originally where I ended this script, but unfortunately, Martin Shkreli could not just vibe in prison for a couple years and just chill the fuck out. So we've got more to deal with now. Recently at the beginning of this year, a story involving Martin Shkreli went viral, as well as the woman that fell in love with him. Her name is Christy Smythe, and she covered white collar crime for Bloomberg News. But apparently while covering this case, she fell in love with him. No, I don't understand it either, but here's what the article says. Over the course of nine months, beginning in July, 2018, Smythe quit her job, moved out of her apartment and divorced her husband. What would cause the sensible Smythe to turn her life upside down? She fell in love with the defendant whose case she not only covered, but broke the news of his arrest. It was a scoop that ignited the internet because her love interest, now life partner, is not just any defendant, but Martin Shkreli, the so-called pharma bro and online provocateur who increased the price of a life-saving drug by 5,000% overnight and made headlines for buying a one-off Wu-Tang Clan album for a reported $2 million. Shkreli, convicted of fraud in 2017, is now serving seven years in prison. I fell down the rabbit hole, Smythe tells me, sitting in her bright basement apartment in Harlem, speaking publicly about her romance with Shkreli for the first time. The relationship has made her completely rethink her earlier work covering the courts. And as she looks back on all the little decisions she has caused this giant break in her life, she says she has no regrets. I'm happy here. I feel like I have purpose. And look, I'm not trying to crap all over her happiness, but this one, really? Can someone tell me the appeal? This reminds me of how people romanticize serial killers, but instead it's just a serial asshole and white collar criminal. She even suggests that maybe she was being charmed by a master manipulator. And I mean, yeah, I kind of think that's what it is. Christy said she could see his earnestness in interviews and it didn't match the idea that he was a fraudster. The thing is, let me ask you this, everyone is watching. If you met Martin knowing full well that he was guilty of the things he did, would it honestly matter if he was kind to you? Because it sure as hell wouldn't matter to me how earnest or kind or anything he came across. I just don't care how flattered Christy felt. I think she fell right into his hands, so I'm not trying to tear her to pieces. In some way, she's almost like another victim, really. But I don't think she really deserves sympathy either. The public has the right to be pissed at this guy and anyone who tries to humanize him or downplay the crimes he's done. I mean, hell, aside from his downright criminal actions, he was childish and made a joke out of his own trial. Christie, who was there every day, has to recognize that. Shkreli's antics didn't stop during the trial. He rolled his eyes at testimony. He took a room full of reporters that the prosecutors were junior varsity, causing the judge to bar him from talking publicly in or around the courthouse. 
He live streamed at home after court, meowing at his cat and playing online chess. When Emily Sowell, then a New York Post court reporter was covering the trial, Shkreli or one of his fans created a fake Facebook page for her and boasted that he and Saul weren't in a relationship, Saul tells me. He also bought emilysaul.com for less than $12 and offered to sell it for thousands. Instead, Christy Smythe told this reporter at Elle, he trolls because he's anxious, she tells me, and he really, really wants to be somebody. She began defending him publicly as she emphasized her access to him to publishers in an attempt to sell her book. During the trial, she visited his apartment and listened to the Wu-Tang album for research, she says, wink, wink, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Afterward, Smythe tweeted a photo of her holding the album, tagging a female journalist whom Shkreli had harassed online and writing, I don't think he would hurt a woman, even a journalist. Behold, me and the hashtag Wu-Tang album. Of her increasing involvement with Shkreli, she tells me now, these are incremental decisions when you're like slowly boiling yourself to death in the bathtub. Watching Smythe, I finally realize her motive for telling her story. She wants Shkreli and hopes putting her love on record might give her some power in the relationship. He bounces between this delight in having a future life together and this fatalism about how it will never work, Smythe says. It's definitely in the latter category now. Sitting in her basement apartment, her eyes wet, her voice quivering, she says she will continue to wait for him while he serves the remaining years of his sentence. I'm gonna try, she says, I'll be here. They've exchanged I love yous and Christy is determined to wait for him while he's in prison. Again, I'm not trying to tear Christy apart, but I absolutely wholeheartedly believe she's being manipulated. All this does is make Martin seem more human. Of course, he'd want this kind of publicity. And an update to this update, Christy now says that she does not like being called a victim and she's not mentally ill and she did make these choices consciously. Maybe she did, but that doesn't make them good choices. If she wanted to go public with them, fine. But when you put out an article on this topic, I think criticism is to be expected. I won't label her mentally ill and I don't know who did, but apparently many did. I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not even sure what would the issue be here. But to me, yeah, I believe it's manipulation. The first article details that too, how he would make private interviews with her competitors trying to egg her on. And if you wanna read that, it'll be available in my sources, but reading it through, it doesn't sound like a healthy relationship, just to put it that way. I'm not saying go send hate Christie's way and please do not. Ultimately, this story is about Martin. And it seems that he's still somehow pulling the same crap he always has and sees no reason to change. And why should he when he's somehow loved for who he is now? Martin is and was worthy of the hate he's gotten. Yet at the same time, he loved the attention, even the negative attention. By all accounts, he's a pathetic man child incapable of empathy. And if I had to guess how he got here, I'd say it all starts with his action at 19. He got away with a serious crime as a teenager and thought he could do the same a decade later. Now he's become the face of a pharmaceutical company gone wrong. And that punchable smirking face still remains. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes as they go live. And if you'd like to connect with me outside of these episodes, you can go find my Linktree link in the description box. And it's just a big link holder that contains all of my social media, projects I'm involved with, and anything outside of these episodes. So again, thank you all for making it to another episode. Love you guys, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.